And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with the Grandmaster of the Illumin Ones, Dr. Bear Paul Lando, <laughs> coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme, here on the Smith River, which is flowing over, over the banks due to weeks and weeks of torrential rain. Um, our thoughts and prayers go out to the friends and family down in Santa Barbara and Montecito. I know um, people have had to, uh, been dealing with a lot down there. El Nino in full effect. Uh, they were trying to say it was going to be a La Nina year. Of course, the um, those pushing the fear, saying that uh, we'll never have rain again. And here we go. Tropical rainstorms in California for weeks. The biggest surf we've seen in decades. Uh, it's exciting, uh, I think, even though I, once again, thoughts and prayers go down to those who are being affected by it. But man, do we need this rain. And today, our brother Devon Graham, aka the Black Airbender, is on with us. And we'll touch on weather, I think, a little bit today. Uh, he uh, went through uh, a bit of weather with a hurricane recently, but actually wasn't, I, if I believe I'm correct, wasn't affected by it. And he was actually using some scalar uh, technology to help route uh, the hurricane in a different way. So I'd love to touch on that a bit today. But uh, shout out to everybody in um, who's in California dealing with the weather. Uh, hope uh, you guys are safe and um, all good. Uh, okay, let's jump right into it. Oh, one other thing to bear um, <clears throat> real quick. The Greater Reset starts next week. You'll be going live at, I believe... Uh, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, for the Greater Reset uh, with John Bush and Derek Bros. This will be our third year involved with this fantastic event. Uh, so definitely, please, guys, go. Uh, Bear will be streaming from the farm at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time next Thursday after AlphaCast. Please Ooh. go join. I better um, think of something to say here pretty quick, huh? <laughs> Uh, yeah, please um, uh, go uh, join uh, that amazing um, event. You can go to thegreaterreset.org. Uh, I will be there in person. I will be DJing, closing out the Aust the party in Austin Saturday night. There's a concert concert going on with JP Sears, the comedian bear. will be doing a set. I know you're familiar with JP. Uh, and then um, uh, Zuby. The phenomenal uh, conscious hip hop artist will be doing a set and I'll be coming on to close out a DJ set after that. So you can come join us in person uh, in Austin. That would be amazing to see some Alphavedic family like last year uh, was there and uh, was so awesome to meet you guys in person. So um, that's all I got. Anything you got before we bring Devon on? No, I'm good. Let's do this. Uh, this uh, go ahead. Do your intro. Then I'll, I'll chat a bit. Cool. Um, Devon Graham, a.k.a. the Black Airbender and pioneer of alchemy breathwork, uh, joins us today. Uh, very excited to get into a lot of our favorite topics, breathwork, alchemy, uh, different uh, <clears throat> electronics in terms of the ether. Uh, a very, very fun chat today. I'm looking forward to this. Um, <clears throat> Devon was initiated into, if, forgive me if I butcher this, is it Bijou or Bigu? Um, Bigu, Bigu uh, which is a Taoist practice of energy healing and fasting. Quote, what alchemy means to me is turning every breath into gold instead of turning every possession to gold. Devon uh, describes parasympathetic nose breathing as a lifestyle to enhance your connection with all dimensions of reality. Breathing practices offer a versatility of effect. And some of the techniques Devon teaches includes mental breathwork, quantum breathwork, astral breathwork, and color breathing in a system that can be utilized in everyday life. Devon will also introduce us to scalar nutrition 
and a number of other modalities that he employs to enhance the effects of breathing with awareness. The transformative effects of conscious breathing on Devon's own life have fueled his continuing passion to help many on their healing journey from top athletes to people suffering from illness. Today um, is right up our alley bear. Uh, we've done many talks on breathwork and alchemy. And as we said, this is a perfect follow-up to last week's show. We were saying 2023 is the year of the alchemist. Uh, as people really start to understand this true science, uh, what a great follow-up, huh? Absolutely. Hey, uh, first uh, first off, Devon, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun for us. Uh, we're on the page, uh, same page with a lot of things here. So we'll have a lot to talk about. And as Mike mentioned, uh, last week, we started off the first show of the year with, uh, alchemy, which, uh, I like the term transmutation, preferably simply because it, uh, can be explained more in Western brain terms and alchemy, you know, is just uh, too esoteric for a lot of folks that don't understand, you know, what alchemy really is, which is a true complete science. So um, we started off by saying that 2023 is a year of transmutation, you know, 2022, I think was a year of exposure, uh, you know, the revealing of the truth. And now for those that have the understanding it's time to reach into our potential and use real science and start transmuting. And we talked about how everything in our world, uh, from the elements in the ground to the microbes in our body, uh, out in the soil, uh, the elements in the, in the uh, sky clock above us are all transmuting one element to the other every single moment. And the real bastardization of science came when we started uh let's just say being seduced into the world of materialism thinking that matter are these fixed elements when in fact everything is always in a state of transition and being including ourselves <laughs> being part of it so um so great to have you here and uh you know we talk a lot about uh, how we transmute uh, elements for the purpose of agriculture. I know you're involved with that as well. Uh, how uh, I do it here at the lab on the farm, you know, to make medicines, uh, how I actually use the same model to work on bodies in my old practice years and still developing ways to do that. Um, now, you're going to start us off with uh, transmutation or alchemy through breath, which is about the simplest, most uh, available technology that we all have and in my opinion, the most powerful. So uh, maybe if you could just start us off by telling us a little bit about your journey, how you got involved with breath work, and then how that uh, alchemy through breath work has uh, led you into all other areas of uh, alchemy or transmutation, you know, in agriculture and all the other things we'll talk about today. So thanks again for being with us and uh, really, really nice to meet you. This is our first meeting. I know you and Mike have had uh, shared some time together, so uh, it's fun to get to know you. Likewise, appreciate it. Yeah, so my journey started... Uh, well, let's just start straight to the breath. My journey started when I lost everything to a business partner. And at the time I was in California and the business partner basically screwed me over. And one of, one, one of the things, yeah, one of the things that was on my bucket list was to see Bruce Lee's statue. So I went over there uh, to Chinatown awesome. 
And uh, if you're familiar with Chinatown, there's like a community center over there, uh, like a small little festival and a bunch of speakers came on of holistic health and practices. And one of them was a, a bigu master. And he was talking about breathing, fasting, and the power of transmutation, as you, as you put it. And I went to him and I, after he was done speaking, I, was, I told him straight up, I literally lost everything. I'm going through this, I'm going through that. I literally had to sell my laptop to get gas money to drive all the way back to Jersey type of thing. And he literally took me under his, his wing and the, the rest is history. I, I learned and was initiated into the Bigu practices through him in, the, in a span of six to eight months. And within that span, uh, my time's off away from him. I went to different science expos around LA and the number one reoccurring theme was technology, all technologies based off the human body, uh, particularly the ones that I went to. Uh, that was the main thing that stuck out to me. And I took everything I learned in those expos and combined it with the Bigu practices to create alchemy breath work and it's still to this day forever changing and shifting and only getting better through uh, the breath practices and the breath leading the way. Awesome. So um, it would be great to maybe take us through uh, different types of breath work if, if you care to, or, or, you know, the techniques uh, maybe that you've even developed, because I know you've done some unique things, you know, and, um, uh, my years in a martial arts uh, breath work was always fundamental or foundational, we'll say, to everything we did. And I was taught early on that breathing is a strategy. So depending on whether you're doing, uh, you know, ab abdominal breathing, reverse abdominal breathing, uh, you, you know, and all sorts of uh, different techniques while you're in, uh, you know, in the midst of combat, it really... Um, it helped you physically perform if you knew how to pair certain kinds of breathing with certain kinds of, uh, you know, whatever you were involved with as far as physical movement. So, um, yeah, so take it away as far as, uh, you know, maybe share with us, uh, you know, how breathing is actually very versatile and can be used in so many ways. Yeah, so I'll share a practice with something like mental breathwork, where I, I proved in Pathwaves when they did brain studies on me that I was just breathing really. And they saw high gamma readings based off the type of mental breath work I was doing, particularly color breathing, where as I physically inhale, as I can feel the inhale come towards me, I can look at a particular color like a tree and say that green healing energy is coming towards me and visualize the green energy of strings or light, however you want to be creative with it is coming towards you. And as you exhale, how your essence is going back and forth with that color as well. And there's so many studies on color therapy alone, but when you implement something like breathing that you can actually feel, and you're also not lying to yourself, you know, that's the aspect of the breath, how the breath is the truth, right? So, and they have studies saying, every time you tell the truth, your frontal cortex and a lot of brain power starts to connect so many neurons start to fire and connect. So you can't lie to yourself in the aspect of breath because you can feel the inhale, you can feel the exhale, and then you can attach something simple as color around you. Color is universal. Even if you're colorblind, however you perceive color, I feel like for colorblind people, it's the easiest because 
Some of them can only see one shade or the other. Uh, so the clients that I've had over the years, particularly colorblind people tend to have the, one of the fastest transformations I've seen. And that goes to show what Western scientists like to say, something like ADHD is a quote unquote disability. It's actually a gift. All these things, even, you know, even blindness in itself can be a gift. There's a whole documentary on this painter that, that says that I can see more than what the average person can, can truly see. And there's this place in Colorado as well that teach blind people how to see through other visions of consciousness where they can drive, uh, they can cook <laughs> in, a, in a full course meal. So all these different factors connect with the air around us. And through a thing that's called Sherlin imaging, you see that the atmospheric consciousness is indeed alive. And that's why I like to say the breath itself is a living entity consciousness that is alive. And through that imaging, you can see, you can have an empty cup pouring in the empty cup. You still see how it's reacting to the gases around the atmosphere. And we all know that water also holds memory and also has particular structures of information. So does our breath. Yeah, you know, I, I spent um, a good portion of my life in Hawaii, and there's a term, uh, it's uh, unfortunately been kind of um, turned into a racial sort of thing, but originally it had nothing to do with that, and the term is haole, so outsiders, non-Hawaiians are referred to as haoles, and what most people don't realize is haole literally means without breath. And when the Islanders first were approached by outsiders um, who happened to be missionaries trying to impose a different belief system on them, they, uh, you know, I think very accurately saw that these people were not connected with spirit and therefore were called, you know, without breath or howlies. And, you know, that terminology is, uh, has, uh, you know, kind of been passed down there, but that's really what it means. So the point is, is, all cultures um, recognize breath as literal spirit or life. You know, in uh, one last comment, and, and I'll let you continue, in the work of um, uh, Goethe, uh, he wrote a book uh, about color, and in it, he uh, has a whole different take on as far as our ability uh, to see color, what color really is, and it's not at all what our mainstream or conventional science thinks it is, and that color is actually a whole, at least in good part, an internal fabrication by us uh, in our involvement on the more subtle bodies like the astral plane and so forth. So um, yeah, there's, there's a lot uh, that we don't understand through um, conventional science, and of course, is because they're trying to break everything down into matter, you know, whether it's photons or, or you know, whatever. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, to, to add on to that, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a universal language in itself, uh, breath, right? You know, we can, we don't have to say a word to tell, to tell if someone's anxious, we can just listen to their breath, we can feel their breath as well. And I've seen that also in certain communities that they say that you don't need the breath to do this or you don't need the breath to do that. I mean, even a person breathing around you affects your mirror neurons, whether you like it or not. And that's why I always say the external world will rule the way you breathe, 
until you rule the way you breathe. And to bring it back home, to connect for some people, imagine a, a movie or someone's running away, you're watching a video and someone's running away from a particular uh, environment or a particular person, your heartbeat starts to beat the way it is because the body doesn't know the difference. Even though it's a video or a movie, it's still reading another body. And, and that's the unity consciousness, if you wanna put it like that, that the body does uh, read different types of body languages as well. 90% of communication is nonverbal. Also, breath is also part of that aspect of body because breath also helps feed the body to move, to uh, compute and interact with everyday life. There is this, yeah, this and, thinking, uh, I was go just ahead, gonna Mike. say, Bear, there's this thinking in occulted sciences that the intake of breath is actually the intake of others' thoughts as well. And that our out-breath, <clears throat> the breath of God, if you will, our own I am, our own mental faculty in terms of creation is actually exposed <laughs> through the breath. So I, I, I think that's a fascinating idea, right? That <clears throat> communally, it's important that when we go in, when we're around our, our brothers and sisters, to be aware and conscious that we are delivering our own breath to each other and back and forth. And of course, here we have when not so much anymore, thank God, but 2020, everyone's masked, the whole I can't breathe meme and all that, <laughs> right? That was really interesting to see sort of the, the black magicians, if you will, or whatever you want to call them, those the dark occult that were trying to invert reality, using these sort of tactics and techniques to uh, subjugate those because they understand the arcane sciences. And here we are, though, um, now unmasked in 2023 and starting to really come to understand how important breath is. It's not just the intake of oxygen and, and that. It's literally um, our essence and, and how we create. And I think that's an important for people to understand. What, what's your idea on that, Devon? Yeah, in, in alchemy, breath, where we focus way more on the exhale than the inhale, because uh, the exhale, it's... It's definitely part of our own creative essence. And we, we realize that, you know, even being around someone, you're inhaling their information, you're inhaling the environment, how you compute. And, and there's a reason every time you inhale, I mean, we can break it down into layers. Every time you inhale, it actually closes off the valves in, in the arteries. You know, every time you exhale, everything opens up, <laughs> including the connection to the heart, the connection to spirit, if you want to go deep in, in that regard or the connection to your chakras. So the deeper your exhale is, you know, the deeper connection you are to the creative essence that is you. Yeah. And if you pair um, breath in both phases with the creative cycle of toroidal fields, which are basically our thought forms manifesting in, you know, what we think of as matter and experience, the um, compression cycle that takes the information from our thoughts and consciousness and precipitates our experience on the ground. Uh, the, uh, the, the next cycle is to let it go, the radiation cycle, which would be uh, uh, what we would consider the exhale. And of course, now this is just literally electric vectors going back and forth simultaneously to create our experience in our world, you know, by our own consciousness. So when we exhale, we're literally reconnecting with source to renew the next frame in our movie uh, in a more perfect um, manifestation of what source is giving us. And, and, and it's so true, you know, when you're 
begin conscious breathing, the exhale is the thing that, you know, is harder, you know, to master as far as just slowing it down and so forth. You know, early on in, in my uh, medical experience, I learned that when I was with a patient, uh, the first best thing I could do to really build a rapport and to get some insight into, you know, who I was trying to help was to pair my breath with theirs. So I would be very conscious that I try to do it as subtly as possible, of course, and uh, just breathe with them. And as Mike uh, said, you know, with everybody walking around wearing masks, um, you know, even unconsciously when you're with somebody, uh, you know, uh, for any length of time, that natural pairing of breath just sort of occurs. So, you know, masking up really prevents that. Uh, let alone people that are aware that they can build a deeper rapport with somebody by doing that consciously. Pretty hard to do when you can't even see somebody's breathing. Yeah, in the, even in the CIA, there's something called mirror breathing where uh, if someone came to you frantically and you know they're all over the place, anxious or whatever the case may be, emotional, uh, imbalance, you would actually match their breathing. Whenever they inhale, you would inhale. And the main point is to get to the point where your exhale would actually be longer than when they take the next inhale, but you're still exhaling, you'll actually start to see them be more calmer down. They'll, they'll, they'll be more receptive. And again, that's how powerful the breath is as a communicator, uh, if you will, to another person, even without communicating. If you want to talk about tele telepathy, telepathy, there it is. <laughs> that's another form of it. Fantastic. So um, if you want to elaborate to uh, other uh, breathing variations. Yeah, uh, shoot. Okay. So we went through a little bit of mental breath work. Uh, I do want to share another side of mental breath work real quick before we even get to something like frequency breathing we all can do in this moment. Uh, let's say something, let's say you see an argument right in front of you in real time and it's something you're not aligned with, right? As you take your inhale, you can say I'm inhaling the complete opposite energy of what I'm witnessing in this exact moment in time. And as I exhale, I'm exhaling the complete opposite energy or feeding more life into the complete opposite energy of what I'm witnessing in time because you are responsible whether you realize it or not at a subconscious level or a conscious level, your breath got you to that point. Your breath has been part of the algorithm of life to get you to your point of spaces in reality. And we can also calculate also add also past lives as well, if we wanna put it like that. And there's also some interesting science when it comes to past lives. So it's not really woo, -woo at this point, but we need to also understand that the brain itself is also an antenna, a scalar antenna in itself that goes beyond the, the aspect of time and space. There's only point A, there's no point A to point B. So there is also the factor of reoccurring past lives of taking that information in and replicating it in, in the body. There's so many interesting stories of little kids going back to their past lives or finding a shipwreck that scientists never even found ever and, and, and spotting it in the middle of a deep ocean and they pulled it out, et cetera. So many crazy, uh, wild, I like to say synchronistic stories like that. So your breath, you can utilize your breath and train a filter of how breath consciousness is being 
played in your reactive field. So let's say something good, you're seeing, you know, whether you emulate somebody that you would want to become or, you know, you want to be in their space like or have that type of lifestyle, whatever the case may be. Whenever you see something good and you're aligned with it, you can say, I'm breathing more life into that type of success. I'm breathing more life into that type of experience, whatever the case may be. And now you're training at a subconscious level of how you're taking information and also being receptive and also honoring the now versus uh, something totally made up. And it's also being more real because you can really feel the breath. You're not also lying to yourself, going back to the aspect of more neurons are firing when you're telling the truth versus when you're lying. So that's a, a deep connectivity when it comes to breath, what I call breath consciousness uh, in the mental breathwork space. So now we can dial it down to a physical aspect where we can do something like frequency breathing, where we take a regular inhale, pure nasal breathing and a five part exhale, <laughs> regular inhale, five part exhale. And then we go to two, two part exhale. And then we keep on going. You can go at your own pace. The slower, the better. And then we'll go to eight part exhale. Then relax, breathe where you can't hear the breath at all, pure nasal breathing. Deeper and deeper exhales. Inhaling what the body needs in this exact moment in time. Exhaling more life into what the body needs in this exact moment in time. And that was a simple output of 528 Hertz breathing. And you can compare, you can pair that up with any type of frequency that you may feel. Wow, cool. Um... So I noticed on your exhale, you're actually pulsing the exhale and not just yes. doing a count. So that's uh, significant, I would assume. Yeah, the it, it's it's pulse it's it's pulse it's pulse breathing and keyword pulse, right? That also uh, goes hand in hand with scale or anything with a pulse. Everything technically has a pulse. Everything is contrasting back and forth, but it's a pulse that is giving life in in a sense to. Uh, to resonance to that item, to that thing, 
Um, before any type of religion was made, there was something called animism, where once upon a time, maybe we didn't have certain filters, we could see everything was actually really pulsating back and forth, even down to a particular rock or a stone. Everything was vibrating in, in real time. And then we fast forward today, scientists now say that, oh yeah, everything is not truly solid. Everything is moving at a molecular rate, right? So that's the, that's the aspect of what breath teaches us or reminds us that contrast, the aspect of contrast is so important to ground ourselves in and to realize how powerful that state of unity is. And the breath reminds us of that contrasting aspect. Can I ask a question? When you're doing that process, what are you doing in your mental state? Uh, in my mental state, I'm saying, or just being blank as possible mm -hmm. and letting, letting the breath lead the way. And then towards the end, like I said, you can have affirmations saying that, like I always say, what are you breathing life into? Like, that's one of my main questions ask everyone when starting this. And it could be different for everyone, you know, especially when you're on your own journey and you're focusing on healing a particular thing or focusing on manifesting a particular thing or magnetizing something towards your reality. So that's the number one question I always ask everyone, what are you breathing life into? That's beautiful. When we were hanging out in uh, Miami, actually, that was a, a wonderful experience where we met in person. Another reason why you should go to these in-person events, guys, because there's nothing like in-person, right? Where yeah. we're really enmeshing our breaths together in our consciousness and uh, so important to go to these. Um, I'd heard uh, from some individuals that um, in terms of your nutrition that you don't really eat. Is this true? And it'd be great to get a little input on your lifestyle and how you've used this breath alchemy for your own nutrition and your own health. Yeah. So no matter what diet you're on or lifestyle you're on, depending on how you're breathing, can, you know, it can only assimilate the going back to photonic energy, but light energy as well, because the healthier your breath is or health, the healthier your breathing patterns and is the more easier it is to assimilate certain uh, nutritious nutrition or biophotons. I had, I had this one guy that was taking vitamin D pills and he stopped taking them. And then we were the only thing, only did, only thing he did was stop taking vitamin D pills and tapped into the breath one-on-one. -on -one. And in three months time, when he went to do his blood work and everything, his vitamin D readings were the highest it's ever been versus him taking the pills. And the only thing that changed was his breathing. <laughs> So the deeper your connection with breath is, the deeper your connection is to assimilate or, um, yeah, the, I think the main word is assimilate, assimilate biophotons within the air and within your environment for what the sun is providing, or I like to, I like to say uh, the, the spaces within the, the black hole or dark matter that we're breathing in. And it was with my 30 day dry, um, dark room experience. That's where I came up with the name, the Black Airbender. Where in the dark essence, as I inhale, I could actually see light coming towards me. As I exhale, I could see light echoing out. So I'm like everyone, to a certain degree. And if there is no such thing as space, because even with space, there is matter. And going back to atmospheric consciousness and uh, Schillerian imaging, you do see there is matter that we're interacting with and different gases that we're interacting with 
at re reacting with, there's no such thing as nothing because within the nothing, there is matter. There is something in the nothing. And with that and with structured breathing, it can help shift you into wherever you want to go in terms of diet or nutrition. And for me personally, it got to the point where I just wanted to be mainly on liquids because I could feel how much energy it would take to digest a particular solid, uh, solid item, no matter what it was. So it was honestly after, after my training with my, my Bigu master at the time, when I came back home, you know, my environment, there was people always smoking and stuff. And when I got back on the smoking uh, weed, I could tell how much energy it took for me to detox and push out <laughs> the weed in my body. I'm like, oh, I think I'm at that point. And after I finally got rid of that, I could tell how, how hard it was to also digest um, solid material. So at that point, I just gave in and became all liquids. Brilliant. Uh, last week, we uh, and the week before, actually, we had an individual who was uh, vegan. And I don't know why, but whenever we get into vegan versus carnism, it triggers a lot of people. So um, we had a little bit of that. But last week, uh, Mike and I were talking about how our bodies actually transmute uh, what conventional science would consider molecules. For instance, we gave the example of an Ayurvedic, they, um, you know, living in more tropical environments will use a lot of salt and people think, well, salt is uh, used in order to retain fluids, but now it's actually to regulate thermal uh, properties of the body more efficiently. And that's done with potassium. So why do they drink uh, a lot of salt or, or salt everything? Well, that's because way back when they knew that the body transmuted sodium into potassium. So the best way to regulate uh, temperature and also uh, do it dietary was to bring in uh, something that they knew very well would be transmuted internally into potassium. Another example we gave, <clears throat> let's just say you're a vegan and you're eating all plant matter and not getting a lot of nitrogenous animal protein. Well, what happens when you test the excretions of those people, they're excreting way more nitrogen than what they're eating by a long shot. And that's because the body is transmuting that carbon-based plant matter into nitrogen for their needs and vice versa. You know, uh, carne, uh, carne, uh, meat eaters are also doing the same thing and then excreting a lot more uh, or less nitrogen than what they're eating because the body is converting it into what they need. So our whole discussion and what we try to do on this channel is to tell people, look, it's not about adapting a diet. Um, you know, relative to an ideology, but understanding that the body is a transmutational factory and the lighter we are, the more um, accelerated our being is, then the more efficient it is. Now, in my opinion, eating a lot of heavy foodstuffs, uh, whatever that means to you, kind of puts a ceiling on your um, potential for transmutation so right. I think uh, what you're talking about maybe is is the same, yeah, you know, uh, getting at the same idea. Um, before we go any further, and I know a lot in our audience, a lot of folks are wondering, 
uh, you know, you're wearing a, a specific geometry on your head. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, the, the pyramids. So my, my brain scientists friends have done their own studies and, and show that uh, when you wear uh, this particular pyramid, this is not just metal plated. They actually go through an organ process and then they'll metal plate it. But when you wear it, it puts you more into a theta brainwave state as well. So you're also connective, connected to more of your subconscious as well in a conscious state. And it also helps with EMF radiation and things of that nature as well. Fantastic. And uh, also as far as uh, just bringing in, obviously, since it's right in your higher brain centers there, um, uh, how does that... Um, uh, translate into just your physical being, for instance, your, uh, your needs to eat, uh, or, or anything else. Do you notice a difference when you have that? Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, even with thoughts as well. <laughs> uh, I think this was my first scalar awareness that, uh, scalar does depending on the scalar filter keyword, scalar filter, of how that how thoughts come in because the brain is a receiver and a quick synapsis going into what I did remotely for other people. Uh, when I do place them on the scale, their thoughts are also more structured or more harmonious to their overall well-being as well. And I didn't make the connection until uh, this one person in my members group. She said that my niece is now interacting with the kids. She doesn't eat alone. She's not antisocial. And then it hit me. I'm like, well, thoughts are also scalar going back to the pyramid on my head. Uh, even the pyramid shape as well, uh, promotes scalar. So even people out there that don't believe that the pyramids were not doing anything electrical, even the shape alone was harmonizing with the earth and what the earth scalar energy was giving off to that type of shape was resonating back and forth energetically as well. You can do some interesting readings on that uh, with that shape as well to help preserve either more life, but also structure how the earth, uh, the, the earth's exhale, if you will, is going into that structure then beaming out on top into, into another toroidal vortex. So same thing when you're wearing the pyramid, uh, think of yourself as the earth. And as you're wearing the pyramid, energy is more structured as well. And when you're in certain environments, we'll also give a biofeedback in that regard. So um, I, I, I just want to put this out, uh, not at all to get technical, but I want to just use it to lead into understanding what this term scalar means. You know, I have um, instruments that I've used for a long time that uh, are based on scalar, and I understand how they work differently in a body. Um, so if you look at the technical term of scalar, I think it, what's it mean, uh, pertains more to magnitude, um, in contrast to the, what would the other terminology be, um, vector. I, I, I can simplify it because it takes me a oh, long time uh, thank to you. simplify please real do. quick. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so think of, uh, you have radio, you have radio waves or, um, sound waves. Let's break it down. You have sound mm -hmm. waves you have light waves as well. So think of you throwing a rock into the puddle and it's creating disruption. With scalar, there's only one straight line. And even if you do throw a rock, it's not gonna get disrupted whatsoever. So it's a straight carrier wave 
that can't be disrupted unless it has another factor of a scalar energy being disruptive, like we can go into weather when we get to that point of what HARP is doing, but you can reverse that with the same scalar instruments as well, or even smaller at that regard. So if I have a picture of someone, or let's use tuning fork. So you have a tuning fork with 432 Hertz and you have the other tuning fork at 528 Hertz. So you hit the 528 Hertz tuning fork, it's not gonna ring. The 432 Hertz is not gonna ring whatsoever. Then you get a 432 Hertz tuning fork and you start to ring that. The 432 Hertz tuning fork, no matter where it is in the world, will start to ring depending on the, the space it's at, but it'll start to resonate. And that's what scalar is. It's from point A to point A of the same energetic signatures meeting together, colliding, creating harmony. Yeah, that's that's a great, uh, easier to understand uh, way to do that. Thank you. And, um, you know, scalar being magnitude and less of a predetermined vector, although it has a resonance with maybe scalar of similar, like you're talking about with the tuning fork. Uh, you know, what I look at is scalar then has the ability to resonate directly rather than maybe be off uh, relative to if you're using some other kind of technology that has a predetermined vector that's not necessarily going to sync up with uh, natural patterns the way we maybe want, uh, you know, alternative modalities to be used. So, uh, yeah, amazing. So you could say that scalar is sort of the harmonics within on in the ether. I'm tr still trying to understand the idea of scalar and how that relates to, um, say, orgone or or chi. Um, are these two it's, different? It's all, it's all in the same category. Okay, so scalar in in essence is sort of a um, um, <clears throat> the harmonic sort of overlay that or the convergence. I'm trying to see kind of how this works in my mind. Um, and also, so a huge topic that has come up in the chordal world. And I don't know if you caught my talk or understood why I was there in Miami, but I was there to talk about chordal, which is an alternative um, new internet being built peer to peer. And one of the big roadblocks down the line is that we're still unfortunately relying upon traditional EMF toxic waveforms of Wi-Fi to um, deliver information as well as the, um, you know, the infrastructure of the internet service providers, which are all centrally controlled. And so it's come up recently in the chat that, hey, maybe Scalar is an option for us to be able to deliver uh, information um, packets uh, point to point. And so I'm trying to wrap my head around really how this technology works, how it relates to sort of uh, electrical engineering and, all, and etheric concepts of, you know, going back to Tesla and, and previous. Um, so I'm trying to understand really how this could work and it would be possible to deliver information through scalar technology. Yeah, it's, it's one of the fastest ways of delivering information, in my opinion. And I think uh, that's, what's, that's what Tesla, but not just Tesla, but Odin, uh, all those great minds wanted uh, Lakovsky. That's what they all wanted. They wanted to get to the point, not just cell phones, but just actually using your mind to send to send a wavelength of information. I think that's why he he used the Earth as a conductor as well with his scalar tower, so he could actually envelop the whole entire world 
with that type of energy and redo what the pyramids were, were doing at one point, some believed, but literally shift the atmosphere to the point where uh, if you, there's, I've seen certain videos on it too. I don't know where in Czech Republic this is, but uh, if you go up to a certain mountain, you can actually gather and, and touch the high altitude and you'll actually see purple electricity starting to react to your hands. So in my opinion, and when I see different devices starting to do the same thing in terms of cold electricity, that's what Tesla wanted for the whole entire world in terms of shifting the atmosphere that much where it, the ionosphere comes down to our level of uh, plain existence, if you will, to the point where, where we send out a thought or uh, send out a certain wavelength of information. And I'll break it down. Let's actually rewind all the way to ancient, ancient tech or um, ancient temples. Now, if you look on top of these ancient temples, you actually see, in my opinion, the blueprint of the jet pillar. And some say the jet pillar was not conductive whatsoever, but my friend in my friends in the live stream world actually proved that it is conductive where they did a mini model of the jet pillar and ran a metal pen and turned on the, uh, the conductive plate, placed the jet pillar on top. And you can actually hear the jet pillar reacting to different frequencies as you go up the different lengths and the different quote unquote Osiris spine of the jet pillar and react to different resonances. Well, it can be a coincidence. It can be a coincidence that China has a, a particular temple on top. It looks like a jet pillar. All the way in Russia, there's an old temple on top of it. Looks like a jet pillar. And maybe once upon a time, they were using these as communicators because they had this similar wavelength of frequency. And when they were on, sort of speak, or maybe the atmosphere was more energetic, if you will, just like I explained with the electric resonance that they can send information by just being in the temple to another place in China or another place all the way from China to Russia without wired technology whatsoever, utilizing the mind in that same type of frequency, if you will. Because we do know for a fact that some of these ancient sites were built on particular frequencies, even in uh, Greece, even those uh, ancient uh, pyramids themselves were built on particular frequencies. And when you have sound resonance, then you create a scalar effect, making it quote unquote more alive. And the sound uh, is reactive. It's literally reenacting a pulse, just like we did with the breath. It's, it's giving off that pulsating, pulsating effect, making the atmosphere or the place more alive. But when you have that sound resonance going on and you have the electric resonance coming in unison, now you can send waves of information and using the scalar as a carrier to that temple or to another place that has the same exact jet pillar receiving that information and showering either other people or other monks or other practitioners with that same energy as well to communicate. Yeah, and the, the technology uh, that you're describing is exactly duplicated in our brain structure with the uh, cerebral cortex to the hindbrain. And then, of course, when you get into uh, uh, astro uh, theology, you know, in the constellations, it talks exactly about how those uh, impulses are transmitted uh, sequentially through our physical temple, our body, starting with those higher brain centers, uh, you, you know, with uh, uh, a mimicking or a holographic representation 
of uh, everything you're describing. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, they knew about all this stuff and absolutely they still do. Otherwise they wouldn't be talking about implanting brain chips and things that are going to ultimately override our natural inclination to uh, develop the uh, abilities that we already have inside of us. Yeah. The yeah. So I have something called like uh, the scalar stickers that I have on my site and we place those scalar stickers <laughs> on every scalar that every scalar devices we ship out. And today it occurred to me, I'm like, well, the scalar sticker is on my scalar and it's on every scalar all over the world that we shipped out. Let me get a, uh, a reader device. And it was actually giving off electrical impulses. <laughs> the sticker itself was giving off electrical impulses. I'm like, well, I'm not surprised, but why didn't I think about doing this earlier? But it just goes to show you that that the energy is being reciprocated in, in that regard. And I know it's really hard to read scalar, but that just shows you a sticker is giving off that, that energy. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. The Antiqua the Tech uh, always is fascinating. We've had, you know, people talk about Tartaria on the show and really uh, with the cathedrals and obviously with the pyramids and obviously geography plays a major part on the ley lines uh, in, and also uh, the geometry uh of course and uh you know like you look at the russian uh cathedrals and temples how they have sort of the egg uh shape on their spires versus the catholic that has the point and from what i understand is the it's all about capacitive inclusiveness and dan winter talks a lot about this i'd love to have dan on the show i don't know if you're familiar with dan's work but yeah um yeah. they're they're showing this stuff to to actually you know they can measure it and they show that this is in fact um, a, a means of transference of, of data. So really it's about going back to the internalization, understanding we are the great technology. We don't need to externalize through digital tech. Uh, and that in the end is where we all need to get to. And as Bear said, you know, of course they're pushing the transhumanism side to get us farther away from that. And what I love is with the scalar tech, you're um, bringing it back to us as the great technology and these right. are just tools right that's that's my main point like i'm telling everyone these you're not they're not creating scalars it's giving you more access to scalars so depending on where you are at internally as well also is a factor of how far you can you can take the whole scalar experience and that's why i give no matter if you buy scalar water or scalar stickers the, everyone gets a scalar and breath journey for free because it shows you how to utilize the breath and different scalar movements together and not just rely on the product, but harmonize with the product with your own internal journey as well, which is super important. So breathing, um, I'm still convinced it's the most powerful thing we can do. And, um, you know, just when I'm in a conversation like this, I notice myself just consciously breathing, <laughs> you know, better. And uh, so what is it, uh, you know, and I've had a lot of practice over the years with a lot of the things I've done, but you still get amnesia throughout the day. You know, I'll find myself just doing something and a little voice will come on and say, breathe, you know, and I go, oh, I wasn't breathing. So what is it that's so tough about just remembering to do the most important, free, easy to do thing possible? It's also about having fun with it. Uh, that's another thing I, if you want to say pride, but that's another thing I focus on with Alchemy Breathwork is having fun with the breath and not just the breathing practices we do, but we also make something like subliminal 
uh, breathwork music where I thought I'd be embarrassed or uh, made fun at. But um, it was until my friend, uh, my friend's uncle was in the hospital and he was on a respirator and I had it, I had made it a very long time, even before my whole ayahuasca experience too, which also coincides with the subliminal, I'll get into that. But when he was on the respirator, they actually played my subliminal in the background. They finally turned off that television in the hospital and finally just had that looping. And then when he got off the respirator, he could do the exact same breathing pattern that he was listening to with the music all this time. And then when I had my ayahuasca experience, I was doing breathwork for the whole 10 hours and everyone towards the end said, just hearing you helped me push through, you know, just hearing that uh, push through. So even, even in my, um, in my group, in our, in our group, in our group sessions, I even record some things like uh, the fasting subliminal breathwork track that I put off on YouTube. This wasn't rehearsed. This wasn't even planned, but for some reason, everyone in my breath group was fasting that day. So I was like, well, <laughs> we're literally breathing into the energy of fasting right now. So we might as well, uh, I might as well use this recording and I actually implanted it into the subliminal breathwork and the comments just, it's still, I'm so flabbergasted when I hit, when I see those comments and how they're reacting to that energy of different styles of breath and the intention behind the breath and utilizing that. So even listening to something like subliminal breathwork music also, in my opinion, also counts as doing the, the breathing as well, even though you're not doing, but going back to the mirror neurons effect, you know, listening to deep breathing like that, but sorry, conscious breathing like that, it can only help at a subconscious level as well. And the same with colors, uh, as you've already spoke on, colors are, of course, the basis, basis of uh, pranic healing, which is all centered around bringing in colors through the breath. So this is uh, a very old and well-understood technology that uh, people like yourself are helping us remember now. So I want to ask you, um, I've done a little experimentation in the last few months with breath work while breathing hydrogen and um, hydrogen, you know, we know it's a nutrient and, and, you know, we've done podcasts on that too, as far as why hydrogen is a good idea, but alchemically speaking, hydrogen is associated with the fire element, you know, of the four elements, which is the first breath of God, we could say, you know, as it uh, precipitates through the, the levels of the ether. So uh, hydrogen, you know, is that really uh, critical first element in the whole manifestation process. So uh, have you yourself or anybody else, you know, uh, done any of this breath work, uh, you know, while inhaling hydrogen or, or what would you think of that idea in the first place? Uh, yes. Uh, hydrogen is the, it's a starting bond of everything, <laughs> right? Uh, so I even have scalar on hydrogen as well. There's sometimes where I only put hydrogen into this feedback loop and then I have it playing through the mat. I can really feel uh, the difference when it comes to hydrogen. Hydrogen is a very uh, interesting outlook that I have moving forward because I want to have some type of big hydrogen chamber and do a big breath session in there and give everyone a deep experience to what uh, that can have. And even having scalar within the hydrogen field it can only help as well to even, you know, really make people feel 
what the scaler is really doing at a amplified level because going back to hydrogen being that that glue that bond of of atoms itself another um interesting thing i'll just throw it out for the heck of it here um have you ever uh heard of inert gas technologies where you take device i actually have some sitting on my cabinet back there i could do a show and tell maybe um but they're pressurized gases in inert gases meaning the noble gases and in waveform physics uh they're understood differently than the conventional chemistry in the periodic table of elements and these inert gases um are each uh paired with a certain octave within the elemental uh ascension we'll call it or transmutation and each of these inert gases is a portal or the akashic record for that octave of uh manifestation you know that we're all part of so these uh gas devices uh are any one of these noble gases that are pressurized in the chamber greatly and then uh, with a magnetic device so it creates an entire energy field of that particular inert gas which makes available that portal into that octave and some of those octaves we've learned through our experience over the years has a lot to do with changing thought forms um you know uh targeting different areas of your physiology and so forth uh so one of the things that's uh, been a lot of fun i actually use them in my lab when i'm uh you know doing certain operations if i want to tap into you know a particular level or not but i find it's also very useful in breath work if you've ever uh you know come across any of those technologies uh no i i haven't uh the only thing similar to what you're saying is going through uh different frequencies of of those octaves I've done that, but not actually physically in those spaces, no. Yeah, what's, what I love about uh, these conversations is, you know, we just get to share so much and, and learn from each other. And, uh, but I'll just show you, uh, the this is one particular uh, manufactured device. And um, if you take the top off, you can see the little, um, where am I? This little oh, thing here where you, yeah. yeah. So that you, you know, put whatever inert gas in it. Um, what is this one? Uh, this one is xenon, which is very helpful in changing thought forms. And then inside here, there's a ceramic magnet that, um, you know, creates an energy field up to 30 feet of that particular inert gas. And then that is literally manipulating the ethers uh, in conjunction with whatever you're trying to do with your thoughts, with your lab work, with your, uh, you know, breath work and so forth. So, uh, so many cool things, I think, that we're just scratching the surface on. Yeah, I do have something, I wouldn't say similar, but are, you're familiar with tensor rings, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I developed something called frequency breathers where we put a tensoring inside a volcanic uh, volcanic ceramic. So you're also breathing in infrared and there's also a quartz crystal inside as well. And you plug that in your nose and either you wanna use the pulsation of your own body to connect, which is very interesting, or another crystal towards the end and create a pulse holding that. You can actually feel the different wavelengths 
of energy you're breathing in back and forth. I, I, I started with mainly a tablet, but I'm like, we can do more than a tablet and doing different frequencies. We can actually utilize our own body's energy or different crystals or connecting it with a tree or getting a copper pole, plugging it down and actually connecting it with the frequency breather. So uh, that's the only thing similar to what you just said in, in that regard, but that one's really cool. Yeah, neat. And, I you mean, know, you mentioned that you uh, like to keep it fun and, you know, everything that we're describing here, I don't know how it couldn't be fun. And it sure right. is. Uh, yeah. That, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. One of the funnest uh, tools you have or tech, and we love tech. <clears throat> Technology, you know, gets a bad rap sometimes in the quote unquote freedom, truth or space you know, because it's seen as, you know, like the dark side is all technology, but really technology is just is expression of human art of consciousness, you know, and can go either way, of course, in this dualistic plane we're on. And you have this uh, portable plasma scalar projectors uh, gun thing that you had in Miami. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Maybe I'll do a screen share of it. This thing is really cool, Bear. I think you'd really uh, have fun with these. Uh, and uh -oh. uh, it almost, it ejects like a little uh, plasma um, sort of, um, looks like kind of like the the Tesla spheres, you know, when you put yeah. your- yeah. Um, here, let me see if I can find it on your site and I'll uh, I'll do a screen share. But um, could you explain a little bit of um, how you came along with that and what that does? Yeah. So in the beginning, those things are technically not really safe, but we made them safe uh, and we made them safe and we placed the scalar stickers on top of them and infuse uh, the, the scalar resonance. So as it's blasting out plasma, it's more of a healing plasma versus just any type of plasma. And, and with the plasma, we've seen like things like scars, things like that go down, uh, heal. Uh, you can blast your food with it. You can blast uh, your water with it. I like to blast my pyramid on my head. When I, we were at the conference, we did the, the bio well, and I, I blasted her, her pyramid while she was wearing it just for one minute. And we saw her energy centers align within one minute from 60% alignment to all the way to 80% within a 20% jump up within one minute. So yeah, there's so many use cases. There's also, we dealt would deal with electroculture, the same pyramid in the picture there. We have a copper pole uh, with this cannabis grower and he placed it in his pot and every day he would blast it for about five minutes. And you could see the you could see a huge difference between the plants that he grew versus the plants that were not uh, scalar projected whatsoever. And the thickness in the stem and the darker the leaves are as well. So you could tell there's more chlorophyll as well in those in those plants. Sorry, I was muted. Is the idea here with this, um, and because we understand that, as you were saying earlier, there is no space, empty space. It's, you know, plasma is, you know, really the uh, sort of a carrier wave of uh, within the ether. Um, is the idea you're kind of in this delivering mental thought forms through this technology, which is interplaying with sort of the DNA uh, within life forms? Uh, we we've we've talked about DNA a bunch. Uh, on this show, and and there's a sort of debate going on right now if, whether even DNA exists or not. Uh, <laughs> but um, in terms of DNA, uh, Bear explains it as being a bipolar or uh, an antenna. Bear, what do you call it again? I'm sorry, I'm blanking. Uh, 
um, uh, that yeah, it's a dual impedance antenna, and uh, I understand a lot of the debate going on relative to does DNA exist uh, the way we think it exists. I think it's in a form much different uh, than what we believe. I also think it uh, would get into some of the things we're uncovering about the properties of water uh, as far as how DNA works. Uh, but either way, uh, there is ample evidence it's a dual impedance antenna, which means it's uh, doing exactly that and, and picking up those finer impulses through the ethers so that we can do what uh, Devon is um, describing there as far as communicating without wires and things. And uh, yeah, the, I, my, I, I look at DNA yeah, as... Ahead. Yeah, look at DNA as a scalar as well, because we know the phantom effect when you move DNA to another point, it leaves the resonance behind, like it's still there, right? So that, to me, yeah, exactly. that showed me the scalar effect right there, that our DNA is somewhat scalar. And it even connects with breath, in my opinion, because uh, there's a book called Caesar's Last Breath. Uh, scientists prove that we're literally breathing in the same air as our ancestors. Uh, till this day, really breathing in the same consciousness as our ancestors to a certain degree. And that's also proof that we're all united to a certain degree. That exact exhale you take travels around the world three to five days coming right back to you. To, that just goes to show you that we're also magnetic as well, too. That's another property of the breath. Do you do... Um... On your breath work, do you do, um, I think I've seen you in, on Instagram where um, you do one nostril or the other and the, the hemispheres uh, and there's an interplay between whether it's left or right nostril? Yeah, I play around with that when it comes to the sun uh, in particularly. So after 6 a.m., you're more left, left nose dominant. Uh, after 12 p.m., you're more right nose dominant. And it's like in a way, for me personally, it's like you're moving with the planetary, uh, the planetary resonance. Because think of it, you're you want to heat up when it's cooling down, and 12 p.m. That's when everything starts to slowly cool down, and that's when the sun is pushing away. And then 6 a.m. is when everything starts to heat up, so you want to be cool. So in a way, you're balancing your your internal connection with the sun as well. What I call sun breathing and playing around with those. Uh, parameters and it's a very powerful way of also if you're if you're someone out there that travels a lot it, it will help you with your circadian rhythm i've seen it all the time that's an easy one uh to do depending on where you are wherever you land focus on the particular area uh, if it's after 12 p.m or after uh 6 a.m within two to three days you, you'll see that you're back to an equilibrium state and in doing that, yeah. are you and sun gazing as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, playing with the sun. I like to particularly blink at the sun as well. There's a study that I don't know what, which, uh, which group, but uh, this, they did two groups. They did one group where they were blinking fast while reading the same material. And one group didn't, weren't told to blink as fast. And the people that blinked more retained way more information than the people who didn't blink. So when it comes to sun gazing, I, I like to blink a lot. I do a lot of things with the sun in terms of even allowing the sun to uh, go inside the nostrils. There's a bunch of studies with studies going up the nostrils as well, how that's great for uh, the hormones and also more ATP 
production as well. Well, the sun is also producing infrared as well. So there's so many benefits to that, literally breathing in the sun. And uh, butthole sun tanning as well, as we have yes. our friend Tracy <laughs> doing on his perineum. Um, I was um, ignorant to the you effects of- talk about your butthole breathing, are you? Um, <laughs> I'm doing it right now as we speak, Bear. Um, Okay, uh, just but, keep the camera pointed upward here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'll keep the the seat camera off, um, <clears throat> the enema camera. The uh, uh, I was um, foolish enough, and and I'm I've had great effects from it. But I had LASIK surgery uh, got going uh -huh. on over 12 years ago because I had poor eyesight and uh, and I have 2010 vision. But now I'm starting to have artifacts. Uh, in my eyesight, I'm noticing um, uh, little squiggles and stuff uh, when, especially when the sun's not out, which is interesting, like on gray days. Um, and so I'm starting to do a lot more morning sun gazing in hopes of healing that. I've also been doing the um, <clears throat> AquaCure goggles bare uh, with the uh, hydrogen oh, and yeah. the browns gas on my eyes. But any other um, theories or ideas and ways to repair eyesight from uh, shooting a laser into it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, even the scaler has eyesight programs as well. I am particularly, I, I use it. Why not? I used to wear glasses too. Uh, thank God I don't have to anymore. I remember the day when I was broke them open. And one of the practices for me personally that I use was placing the morning saliva, but you definitely want to brush your teeth going to bed. And that morning saliva is very potent and also urea, but not just that, with many different properties. And you would place that in your eyes and then you would go sun gazing. The first time I did it, I could see all the sparkles <laughs> within the sun. I was like, all right, this is definitely working. Whatever's happening is definitely working. So I did that for a, a very long time uh, to the point where I didn't, I didn't need my glasses. I really, it, it was such a relief being able to drive without the glasses, being able to drive without squinting um that, that plays a big factor and also nasal breathing in general also helps with eyesight as well you know as more nitric oxide gets filled uh straight to the brain a lot of people say oh i feel like my vision is crisp one of the reasons is because you're you're aiding more nitric oxide also to the bloodstream but also to uh the iris as well and your nasal sorry your, your sinuses don't just go from on your eyelids but it also goes all the way up to your brain and when those receptors are being replenished with more nitric oxide, it's also echoing into uh, the iris as well. Um, and yeah, so, and go ahead, Bear. No, I was just going to say, I believe uh, during the course of the day, the nostrils kind of take turns being predominant. That's just sort of a natural thing our body does to do exactly what you're describing. And then, of course, not everybody's in sync perfectly anymore because of all the things we're inundated with. So it's nice to coach things back into, you know, where all these things would normally be uh, automatic. Um, you know, just a quick anecdote. I wore glasses uh, starting way back when I was a kid for baseball. And uh, when mom noticed my, uh, my batting average was dropping and then, you know, glasses did the trick. And so I wore them through most of my adult life. And then 20 years ago, I started uh, sun gazing and I worked all the way up to the full, you know, like 44 minute kind of thing and, and did it ever since and threw away my glasses, still don't wear glasses to this day. And I was, you know, kind of nearsighted and all that kind of thing, but uh, they're, they're fine now. So the sun gazing does do that. 
the last remark about sun is that the sun itself has all the, you know, in that plasma projection, uh, you know, it has all the informational fields of every life form within this realm. So when you're sun gazing or breathing in that information using prana, you know, through the breath as a vehicle to bring those informational fields into your own being, then you're getting downloads that are unimaginable. That's amazing. And people that in the chat are mentioning that they're in gray areas, you know, the UK or up in Seattle, but I was stressing that it still doesn't matter. The sun's still there. Right. Um, the informational fields are still coming. Um, interesting. You said, Devon, you mentioned real quick, uh, you mentioned the the golden elixir of life, um, urea. Uh, here we so, go. <laughs> Shivambu, which, you know, we've done shows on before. So were you saying actually to take that morning, the morning plasma there and the liquid and put in and as an eyedropper and put it in the eye? Oh, I was talking about saliva. It's oh, okay. But, even, but um, yes, even saliva itself has urea. So everyone's doing urine therapy, whether you like it or not, it's, it's in there. Very good. Very good. I got to try that. Thanks for that. Um, we had mentioned earlier in the beginning of the chat, uh, uh, relating this to one of our favorite uh, pastimes, agriculture, which is the fundamental basis of Alpha Vedic. Um, and I noticed recently on your Instagram, you had you had uh, taken a tour to a farm in um, actually over by Jim Gale, uh, by his farm, kind of. I, I, I always pronounce the name of that town wrong there in Florida. Uh, um, Okeechobee. Yes. Okeechobee, which is close to where Jim Gale's uh, <clears throat> uh, whole operation is. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim. He, he yeah, uh, yeah, I've been I've been trying to get in contact with Jim. So uh, definitely spread the word. Let him know. We'll, we'll put you in uh, contact. I talk to Jim all the time. Um, but could you uh, elucidate a little bit on what you were doing there with your scalar tech on the farm? It's, it was really cool. Yeah. So the portable scalar, uh, it's more ideal for my my friend in particular, because we had the computer over there and um, he, he's not too tech savvy and I can't drive two hours back and forth to Miami all the time. So uh, for a birthday gift for myself, because he was one of the mentors that helped me when I was in Jersey as well, uh, when no one else did, uh, I wanted to give back to him some way, somehow. And uh, the scalar device was perfect timing for his farm. I think he's had the farm for about almost three years now, oh, four years, sorry, four years, the passion fruit farm. He's going to be one of the biggest in, in Florida, I believe, uh, right now. And uh, I showed him that we can actually wrap copper wire, just like I did with uh, this grounding mat here. You can wrap copper wire around the scalar device and place it into uh, the soil, and that's going to help increase yield. But not only that, we're also helping healing the earth low-key, in my, in my opinion. Uh, because from afar, we started with pictures and he's seen that some plants that has fungus, they're actually, uh, they're fighting off the fungus, which he, he was still skeptical about because he's very old school. So I finally went over there and placed a physical scalar now into his soil. So when he starts seeing even more results from it, you know, it's undeniable that scalar is definitely helping heal not only the earth, but also increase his yield as well. And he's also going to have to spray less uh, chemicals, uh, chemicals in general, when it comes to agriculture. He told me that people, if you really think about it, people are spending millions of dollars just off spraying alone, which is wild. So if, 
if you have technology out there that can help with agriculture, et cetera, and reduce that cost and also the time it would take to do the spring and stuff of that nature, it's a big win for everybody. It really is. And what you're talking about too is healing the soil uh, by way of um, altering the electrical nature properties of the soil. We yeah, we, we even thing. started we even started with pictures where they would take a picture of the farm and then we would place it on the scaler all the way here in Miami. So places like Japan oh, yeah. was seeing different results. Places like uh, South Africa was also seeing different results. Places like Australia, for just from pictures alone, before even getting the scalar devices for themselves. So just, it goes to show you how magnetism, how uh, this plane of existence is playing with each other on different levels of consciousness, if you will. And it just goes to show you when, when, I, when I also hear that plants are growing out of season, uh, to me, I don't like the phrase out of season. To me, it's, it's healing the earth enough to the point where she can finally breathe and push out the plants that she needs to push out. That's just my opinion. I don't believe in quote unquote um, plants growing out of season. It, it's just that earth has been, um, earth has been pressed on for, for too long with certain man-made devices that is not in, har in harmony with her as it was back in the day. You know, when I went to Egypt and till this day, you know, when you go up the Aswan River, you can easily tell how the auric feel and how the hue of the grass looks, even people without the eye, you know, they're saying, oh, everything's glowing. So maybe from one point in time, the pyramids was also helping to structure the water. Till this day, there's apparently some people say there's water actually still under all these ancient ruins, still continuously flowing. And I'm not gonna say where publicly, but yes, there are particular places in Egypt underneath certain structures that you can actually take the water, it's helping heal people, etc. But it's also helping to heal the soil as well. They understood building certain structures with the earth's help was also helping earth, but also helping themselves as well. We need to go back into that uh, understanding of consciousness and when we build certain structures and we, when we build certain technologies, to make it harmonious for everybody and also the places that we live. That's like the, o that's the OG permaculture right there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you're describing the science of biogeometry too, as far as putting yes. an image of soil and, and, uh, you know, right behind me on my desk here, uh, there's an individual that I did a little bit of work with and, um, his geometry is on, uh, the instrument back there is biogeometry and uh, uh, certain things are being projected to him right now just by way of the, the photograph. And it works amazing if you understand how it works. It's more scientific than any uh, other instruments or anything that we use in conventional medicine. Yeah. So um, the other thing I was going to say, you're talking about saving money, not having to use pesticides, but also, when you really uh, tune into the electrical properties of soil, you don't have to dump tons of fertilizers, organic or otherwise, either. Things just grow on their own. Yeah, uh, yeah that's right. Devon, please. Geometry there. Yeah, yeah speak so that uh, you pop up and they can see that picture, please. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so we place someone's picture here and we place the geometry over that picture and we place it on the actual scalar. So even the geometry alone by itself is technically 
scalar as well. But then when you have it on the plate, you know, it's just infusing, you can call it magic or just infusing just more harmony within the person and uh, that picture. And that's the same sticker, by the way, that I was telling you without the, the, that person's picture on there, that when I got the, the reader and went up to the sticker, it just went off like crazy. This, um, this is a biogeometry device. I don't know if you can see the lines on it, but yes. it's a very similar to what you just held up. And this little instrument, you can put a, uh, any kind of substance or image here, and then you can actually measure the amount or the intensity of resonance. And we do that in different procedures for different reasons. But, um, you know, the of course, the individual who pioneered biogeometry, which is the latest version of radiesthesia and very advanced, he just came out with a new book, by the way, uh, Michael, that Doria was yeah. telling us about. Yeah. I just started reading it last night, so I'm excited about that. There's going to be a whole sequence of uh, the physics of quality, and this was volume one that was just released. So anyway... Um, with biogeometry, all we're doing is proving what that culture, uh, you know, in Egypt, uh, you know, was aware of. And uh, the uh, Dr. Kareem is Egyptian and has access to all the inner chambers of the pyramids and things because he's uh, recognized by the government as the real thing. So, um, yeah, all these things are uh, resurfacing. And, uh, you know, the great thing is, is you don't have to go to the pyramids in order to utilize that technology. You can do it right in your own home. Right. It's a beautiful thing. The other thing I was going to say too, in terms of um, uh, electroculture, if you will, or the bringing scalar to farms and um, is measuring, it'd be fun to measure the soil compaction pre and at post, because obviously as you uh, um, revitalize the micros, microbes in the uh, soil, which are, you know, feeding off that scalar nutrition, um, that soil will then not be compacted anymore. So that's a great way to quantify what the effects are from what you're doing uh, on the farm there. And actually, it's also a way for farmers to prove uh, if they've been, uh, you know, affected by, for instance, power lines or 5G towers or toxic mm. EMF waveforms. Uh, because as it as those waveforms destroy the micro um, population, you know all the different little critters in the soil, then the soil becomes compacted. So uh, that would be really fun uh, to to do those uh, pre and post studies, uh, so that those in the more Western science mind that want to see that uh, that sort of uh, information could show them that this stuff is really real and works. And if you're a farmer already doing these things, you don't need to look at studies. You just know that things grow better. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that was a big aha moment. And I didn't expect it. It was, it was like wildfire. It started with one farmer. But if you really look at these farmers, they have their own big network of, uh, of other farmers that they talk to all the time. And I, I was just, I was just in awe. <laughs> that it just started to spread the way it is right now. Well, that's very cool. We need it more than ever. Um, any other things to bring up as we're wrapping up the chat today, Devon? Uh, what are you up to right now? And um, uh, we put your website in the link below here. Um, you guys can go to alchemybreath.work uh, to see his breathwork offerings and some of this cool tech we're talking about today. Uh, what else are you up to and um, where can folks find you? 
Yeah, uh, the same website. Uh, def, I'm about to step into Slovenia very soon in mm. April. So if you want any info on that, I'm actually going to the Bosnian pyramids and hopefully I can oh, bring my uh, scalar devices over there because when I went to Egypt, now it's at the point where you have to pay the government and do all types of stuff to do anything. You can't even sit down unless it's like a big event or you're part of a particular group. So uh, my friend, she knows the owner of the Bosnian pyramids and I have free reign to do whatever I want. What's interesting with the Bosnian pyramids is technically, uh, I think they call it like a flat iron mountain and uh, that particular space. And they do have proof that the negative ions in that space is off the charts. I think it's over like 9,000 uh, something. So yeah, I'm just really curious to see how the scalar would react to it. I wanted to go to the Itzinitu pyramids in, in Mexico uh, a couple of months ago, but I didn't get a chance to bring the, the, the scalar over there. And I had some funny, funny interactions at one of the, the ruins. So I don't think I'm allowed <laughs> to set foot back over there again. Um, but um, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Definitely join the Breathful newsletter for any updates on events, any one-on-one -on -one or group events that we do. And any questions you guys have, you can reach out to me at Devon at alchemybreath.org. And on Instagram, the Black Airbender. Devon, great talk. And uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I see already probably we need a part two down the road sometime. Uh, definitely want to check in with you after you uh, have your Bosnia experience. That's a very yeah, special Yeah, for sure. That, yeah, that would be a fun. It's my first time finally touching Europe. So it's a dream come true uh, from literally where I started to where I am now. So it's a, it's a big aha moment for me as well and a blessing. Sweet. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Let's plan on having you on after you get back and we can have a download of your experience there. And, um, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. You said you're going there in a couple months. Yeah. In a couple months. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to playing with some of this tech on your site. Uh, I'd love to get one of those plasma scalar projectors. So, uh, guys, you can go to the black airbender, uh, gumroad.com, or you can just find it all through, um, his site, uh, alchemybreath.work there and uh yeah a lot of fun stuff here and really appreciate you man you really embody the spirit of what you um you know your words uh you're living it and uh when i got to meet you in person one final thing i was kind of it was kind of cool to see what you were driving man you also appreciate divine opulence with that <laughs> badass vehicle you got thank you <laughs> yeah man there's off leave there's us hanging here what kind of what kind of vehicle is this uh, it's a 22, 20, it's a, it's a C8. And, and, uh, it's a, it's a Stingray Corvette. Stingray Corvette. Oh, you're kidding. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, a lot of times people in the quote unquote spiritual realm, um, have this idea that, um, possessions are to be, you know, to look down upon and, and bear and I are big fans of what I call, you know, um, spiritual opulence or divine opulence, excuse me, in that the idea is that when you are walking the way and you're living the way, 
um, the natural flow of life is abundance. And you can appreciate God, man's creations through God, of course, God's creations through man, excuse me. And something like that, that Stingray Corvette is exact representation of that thing. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun to drive, man. Um, and that was really cool to see you shooting down uh, Miami Beach with that that vehicle. <laughs> yeah, the th original muscle car. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you for saying that. I think that's very important um, in in terms of grounding and honoring reality for what it is, not what it could be. It is, it's it's here to either have fun with, demonize, or whatever you make it out to be. That's that that's the point beautiful yeah beautiful, lack man. is another one of those mythologies that is uh dying a slow death here and uh of course the other side to lack is uh is uh not being wasteful either in mm. the uh more elevated realms there's everything on demand uh the exact amount you need and if you try, need to drive a car on, uh, you know, within this realm, you get one, but you don't need, you know, 16 of them either. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, no. uh, yeah. So, so why not? And uh, it's, it's the game we're playing now. So, you know, we just need any vehicle we need, including our bodies in order to uh, do our work on behalf of spirit. So uh, Devon, this was uh, a remarkable uh you know, meeting with you. Thank you so much for being with us again. And I can't wait to hear about your next experiences. Thank you guys. Have a breathful day. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for everyone, right. in the, everyone in the chat. It was a very lively chat in there. Um, you guys can, uh, of course, watch the replay on Odyssey. Uh, we are on uh, unite.live as well as YouTube. And this will go out as an audio podcast as always uh, on Podbean and everywhere you can find uh, um, podcasts. Thanks so much for all your support. Go to alphabetic.com uh, and uh, to find out more about our products as well as our telegram t.me forward slash alphabetic is always popping off. And our new platform will be launching on alphabetic very soon. But for now, you can join us on patreon.com forward slash alphabetic. Love you all. See you next week. Uh, remember to get your uh, get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go grounding, go plant something, go for a hike. Mother nature is is our best teacher show her some love we love you all and we'll see you again next thursday peace